G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Big opinions, the panel. Ten twenty-two here on SENZ, and on the panel today, Andrew Gordy and Guy Havelp, two very experienced journalists, and... Andrew Gordy looking absolutely spiffing last night reading the news, uh, just pristine with that beautiful suit on and delivery absolutely perfect. Uh, hoping to talk about uh, a Zoe Sadusky Sinek gold, but you talked about a silver, which isn't too bad after all, Gords. Mate, it's not bad at all. Jeez, I haven't been, I mean, my wife doesn't give me compliments like that, Smithy. I appreciate that. It's a hell of a way to kick off. Um, uh, yeah, look, uh, it was obviously. Not the colour of metal that she wanted, but, but man, she's impressive, isn't she? And, and actually, while we're at it, how about that whole event? That whole event was, was deeply impressive to watch. And um, I actually felt that Jimmy Neesham, uh, a tweet from Jimmy Neesham sums it up. He said, I've watched a lot of other sports that I've been terrible at, but the Winter Olympics definitely has the highest number that would literally kill me. And that is absolutely right. Every time uh, these athletes go down these slopes, and, and what they're getting... I mean, it's only got about eight and a half metres of, of, of air at one point, I think, and it's <laughs> staggering uh, what these what these athletes put themselves through. I, I have the, the greatest admiration for all of them, um, and I'm just in awe of Zoe. She has been uh, just so professional about the whole thing and, and the way she manages to keep her, her emotions in check, I suppose, even when the pressure is on. And obviously, you know, she, she, she didn't get the result, I'm sure, that she was... She was hoping for yesterday, but, but yeah, like I say, the utmost respect uh, to her for what she has achieved, um, not just at the Olympic Games, but, but recently in the X Games as well. She she deserves to be mentioned among our all-time great Olympic athletes, I believe. Uh, I, I totally believe that. I really do. I'm not quite sure she's in Lisa Carrington class yet, but she's only 17 or 18 years of age. She's got a long future and ahead of it. Uh, incidentally... Mm. Uh, that uh, where they start, uh, the top of that run is around 50 metres high. Around 50 metres high, guy of Velt, which would look very, very high for you. <laughs> that's a fair. That's a fair few of me, Smithy. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, echo, <laughs> echo both your sentiments. Um, look, uh, how many Kiwis have we had who have won multiple Olympic medals at the same Olympics? Not many. She has joined a, a very illustrious group in New Zealand sporting history, and. And as, as Gord says, the way she goes about it is just a joy to watch. Uh, one thing I would say about not just uh, the snowboarding yesterday, but also the, the downhill skiing, and I am about to put a, bit, a little bit of a down buzz on things. I find, and, and I'm, a, I'm about to open myself up here for criticism, uh, having commentated a sport that I don't know a lot about on Saturday in King in the Ring, but I just find the commentary at these Olympics a bit grating not very good in the sense that I know nothing about what is happening in the snowboarding and all we're getting is oh that was amazing oh wow and you know that sort of thing I don't have any explanation around why something was so good or why something wasn't so good and even when they do crash we seem to get a lot of excitement about how how amazing it was 
I want some analysis in the commentary. And then when it comes to the downhill skiing, and I'll give Dylan Cleaver a shout-out here in his, uh, in his blog, The Bounce. Ever since he wrote about the commentary of the downhill skiing and that the, the, the male commentator on that, all he talks about is, is whether the person is under or over the leader's splits. That's all he does. That is honestly all he does. And ever since Dylan wrote that, that's all I've thought when I've watched it. And it's, it's quite hard to take in. You can't really understand what's going on, where they're losing time, where they're gaining time, why they're losing time, why they're gaining time. So sorry to bring it down, Buzz, but that has been grating me these entire Olympics. Well, I don't know what you've been listening to, Havelt, because it's quite obvious. You're either a, you're either you're either traditional or you're goofy, and if you're if you're going goofy instead of traditional, you're going the reverse. Uh, and then if you get your maximum height, and then of course you stomp, you stomp your landing, you stomp the backside, uh, and if you haven't mel- grabbed the melon on the way down, you're going to lose points. Uh, man, how rad how rad do you have to be? It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, but you anyway, basic, mate. Get Smithy in the combo. Yeah, get over here, Smithy. Yeah, good on you. I'm a I'm a warm weather guy. Hey, good. Uh, but we are gifted, man. We are so gifted uh, with uh, Zoe's. Uh, I've just been talking to to Mealy Kerr for the first time. Uh, 21 years of age, 119 not out yesterday. Tracking along quite nicely. The white ferns. When you see uh, experience like that coming to the fore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I suppose two things there. We'll talk about the team and talk about Amelia Kerr. Amelia Kerr just, I mean, yeah, you do. You put her in the same bracket as Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott. Just such a a prodigious talent. Uh, Such a young age. Seems to just, the game just looks so easy for her. That was something we were actually saying yesterday watching Zoe. I mean, you're watching these other athletes go down go down the slopes and, and try and pull off these tricks, and they, they look like they're, they're searching. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not quite confident in, in what they're trying to pull off here. And Zoe goes down the slopes, and, and she is just, she's all over it. It's like this is, she knows exactly what she's doing. She's here to execute, and the execution is is on point, um, obviously wasn't for her final run. Same, same with Amelia Kerr. The game just looks so easy for her compared to, compared to other athletes. And, you know, I'm, I'm loath I mean, I'm, I'm to compare, and it's, and, it's, and it's not great to compare, but you really do, um, and I'm sure we would all agree, that you always had that sense about someone like Kane Williamson as well. Like, his technique just looked so much better than everyone else he was, he was playing with. I'm not suggesting for a minute, and I'm not going to put the pressure on Amelia Kerr to suggest that she's she's going to um, you know be be the sort of uh, athlete that Kane Williamson has become for us. But but man, that's clear. She has got a massive future ahead of her, and and the impact that it's having on her team now, a team which has really been struggling for confidence. Let's, let's be honest. Um, I've got to I've got to be perfectly honest. So, you know, several months ago, I was wondering what sort of performance we were going to get from this White Ferns team. Uh, in this in this World Cup, and you, you are starting to, to feel some confidence. They're heading in the right direction. You know, winning builds momentum. I know it's a massive cliche, but it is a, it is true. And if they can keep this uh, this winning feeling going against India, then you know they'll be trending in the right direction. Come kind of World Cup time on home soil. Yeah, I think they're a reasonable chance here, guy. Now they might not win it, but I think they're going to cause a lot of lot more problems than they were a couple of months ago. Lost. Oh, Guy have Guy have dropped off actually, um, but I made a good point there, and he would have totally agreed. It's coming up to uh, the news. It's coming up. To, it's coming up to the news here at ten thirty. We're going to go across to there, uh, Gordon. When we come back, uh, along with Guy, 
Uh, we'll talk the other side of the Winter Olympics, which uh, hasn't going to go away in a hurry, either one feels. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy, Guy Havelt with us this morning on the panel, and uh, we're talking very positively about the Winter Olympics and the performance of uh, several young ladies in particular around the world of sport. But uh, Guy Havelt, uh, there is uh, a slightly ugly side to this, uh, even further developing. Camilla Valieva, uh, now uh, she came back and competed with the permission of this Court of Arbitration. Uh, she's leading the field, which means she's uh, on track to get a medal, but she won't get one, and neither will the two people alongside her. How ridiculous say she won bronze and gold and silver won't be presented to rightful winners? Yeah, uh, sorry about the force, Millie. Not sure what's going on. This, this is crazy, isn't it? Uh, this, this just puts a blight over the whole figure skating competition for me. Uh, just, just bizarre that they are letting her continue. Um, and I saw a, a tweet or a comment from Shikari Richardson, the Jamaican sprinter, who got done for for marijuana. Now, if you're a, if you're a runner, I would have thought marijuana would be detrimental to your performance, and yet she copped a ban, uh, and 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 the Russian skater is able to continue. I, I find that just incredibly bizarre, complete double standards, uh, and a real blight on, on this competition. It is, and uh, her particular case, I read that tweet as well. Uh, this was medic- medicinal marijuana following the news of uh, the death of her mother. Um, so, uh, you know, that was the reason she had uh, had for that. Uh, what, have, what have you made, Gords, of this? I mean, I think this, is, uh, this hasn't finished yet, this story, because uh, this girl is so damn good at what she does, aside from the other side of it. Yeah, look, at every single angle that you look at this, it is an absolute mess. Let's start, I mean, I'm sort of like, where do you start? The girl is 15 years old. 15 years old. There is no teenager in the world that should be going through this, frankly, um, in, in any sport. In any, like the, the, imagine the pressure that is on her shoulders. Uh, pressure, to, pressure to perform, pressure to deliver. She fails the drug test. There's, I mean, there's obvious questions for every single person around the world, not least, obviously, because she's Russian and Russian history uh, when it comes to doping. But the, even the excuse, I mean, I'm sorry, but granddad's heart medication? Give me a break. Like, it's, it's, that is so scarcely believable. Um, and it just, again, it just sounds like excuses, reaching for excuses, clutching at straws. Um, and then, and like you say, we've got this farcical situation where other athletes who have abided by the rules, and, and look, I mean, I, maybe I should be giving her the benefit of the doubt, um, while the court, the court of Arbitration for Sport has said that um, she should be allowed to compete, but how is this fair on any other athlete who has come to these Olympic Games? This is the, this is their moment, they've built up towards this, this moment for years, they deliver on the world stage and they don't get their moment. I mean, we've been through this in a way, I suppose, haven't we, with, with Valerie um, following this, that Chuck's um, failed drugs test, she... She didn't get her, her golden moment, I suppose, in the same way. And I'm just sick and tired of athletes not, not getting that. They deserve that. Of, 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 it's the very least they deserve after all the, all the effort and time um, that not only them, but all the people around them put in. But that's, what, that's what they build towards, their moment on the podium. And for them to not get that, I just think is, is disgraceful. And, and it really does, like you say, it's a blight on not just the figure skating competition, it's a blight on the entire Winter Olympics, I have to say. And again, it's just, it feels like weakness from the IOC. 
um, pandering towards towards these, these athletes and the federation, obviously. Um, and it's again, I just can't quite believe that the Court of Arbitration for Sport has 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 come up with a, a ruling that allows her to compete. It's it's sad and it's and it's it's ridiculous, really. Whatever way you look at it. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's just I mean, it just makes absolutely no sense when you follow the whole process through. Uh, let's uh, let's hope uh, the next subject does, uh, Guy, because Super Rugby, of course, kicking off this uh, weekend. Uh, my question this morning really is, uh, how clean is uh, Ian Foster's piece of paper? I mean, how many names has he got inked on there already? Or after the end of uh, 2021, should it be relatively clean in your mind? Yeah, it's a very good question, Smithy. I, I hadn't really thought much about this, but uh, when, when the topics were sent through this morning, I did start to ponder it. it it's, it's a great question at the moment. Probably a fewer names on paper set in stone than there probably have been for the last decade, maybe even longer than that. I mean, um, you know, there, there, there were so many players last year who underperformed both for the All Blacks and in Super Rugby, both in the forwards and the backs. A number of players who are probably coming to the end or closer to the end of their careers who are, who are maybe possibly slightly off the pace. But look, the, the other thing, there's lots of pressure on Ian Foster, isn't there? I mean, he has, to, he has to find the right formula that is going to get the All Blacks results because last year was incredibly disappointing. I know you throw COVID in and all that and it's not going to get easier in that regard, but to me that's not really an excuse. He's had his contract extended already uh, and through to, through to the end of the next World Cup and, and now the pressure is on him and the pressure is on New Zealand Rugby to deliver. So... Yeah, look, he, he can have as much of a clean slate as he likes. Uh, the fact is he's got to pick the right players that are going to do the job because he is going to be under immense pressure every time the All Blacks go out on the park in the next year or so. And, Guy, uh, that's an interesting point you make because, Gords, uh, we know now he's got a new co-selector in Joe Smith. What I didn't realise until I did a bit of research myself this morning is Joe won't be actually hands-on with the All Blacks until after Ireland leave, which is out of respect. Now, uh, that means... He'll have about 11 months of, uh, of time, not necessarily rugby action, to get alongside uh, Ian Foster uh, and pick a, pick, a, pick a World Cup winning squad. So uh, are we led to believe he won't have any input till then, point one? And point two, if that's the case, that's leaving it quite late, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is leaving it quite late. And, and I've got to say, Smithy, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what sort of impact Joe Schmidt will have once... Yeah, look, if, he, if he's not going to be part of it initially, I suppose, that, you know, maybe we'll just have to sort of wait and see, I guess. But I just have this, this feeling that as soon as Joe Schmidt comes on board and starts throwing in some of his ideas, uh, we, he could have quite a transformational effect on, on what we're seeing out of this all Blacks team, which is not to... Not to say that Ian Foster's not a good coach. Um, I, I think Ian Foster's a good coach, but, gee, they, they had a pretty rough end to, the, the, to last year, didn't they? And I hear what you're saying, Guy, about, about the pressures on Ian Foster. I, I sort of I do wonder about that, actually. If his contract's been extended through to the end of the World Cup, how much pressure really is there on him to deliver results and deliver them right now? I mean, the pressure's clearly going to be on him, but I, I, would, I would have thought more in, in 2023 and, and the build-up, especially to that to that Rugby World Cup. But this year, um, he, he's really just kind of got to do enough, doesn't he? He's got to show that there's some progress in different areas. I am curious to see 
um, and I suppose the question you're asking is, is will they have a blank sheet of paper? How much of that pressure is going to go on, on those players who quite clearly underperformed at the end of last year? How much is, is the imposter putting that on, on those players? And how much of it is he putting on himself as the coach who, who sets the blueprint, I suppose, for how this team plays? Um, and, yeah, I think when it comes to naming his first all-black squad uh, of this year, it will be fascinating to see how many players he's prepared to keep chase with. Um, because that is, let's face it, that's, that's the, the sort of attitude that he has inherited, isn't it, from Steve Hansen. Hansen was extremely loyal, and, and I think by and large what we're seeing from Ian Foster is loyalty to a group of players who have sort of been there, done that. But if they're not doing the business, well, yeah, let's, let's see how bold he is for the selection. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, that is uh, quite, uh, still quite some time away, although it'll roll around quickly. Mm. Uh, really uh, short time away. In fact, they will have had the toss this time tomorrow in Christchurch as the first test guy between uh, the Black Caps and uh, the Pro Tears. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to this series. I think this is a season-defining series for the Black Caps. Massively, Smithy, 100%. It's, it, this, is what, this is the only part of the summer, really, that, that I think most of us are, are entirely interested in. I obviously watch the Black Caps every time they play. I like watching them play, but this is, this is the crux of the summer. Uh, these two tests against South Africa uh, is what I think most of the fans have been building for, hopefully what the players have been building for as well. They've never beaten South Africa in a test series, and despite the fact having no Kane Williamson, having Ross Ta- no Ross Taylor, this would still be... Uh, I would say one of New Zealand's best chances of getting a series victory over South Africa. Um, they obviously they they are going to rely a lot on Tom Latham, Devin Conway, those types of guys to to, to score, put runs on the board, uh, and then it's going to be up to to you know Southie Wagner again, the same two guys that we always talk about with the ball to do the business. But uh, yeah, look, the, the pressure is on the Black Caps, I think. Um, they were obviously they won the World Test Championship and that will live long in every cricket fan's memory in this country. But they need to back that, start backing that up because they were so disappointing against Bangladesh. Uh, and as I say, and they were, they were fairly disappointing in India, albeit in very tough conditions, as we know. Uh, but this is this is the part of the summer that they need to perform. And if they can get a drawn Test series, if they can win a Test, uh, I think that would probably be a pass mark. Uh, but this is a, a great opportunity for them to finally win a Test series over South Africa. Absolutely. Uh, the reason I think, uh, Gords, is that it's uh, so uh, defining is uh, because I'm not that confident about the uh, longevity of, of Kane Williamson. I'm looking at the glass half empty here scenario. Uh, this tendon problem I think is going to be around for a while. Uh, there is a, a precedence, of course, for him to play uh, IPL cricket for obvious reasons, and he doesn't owe us anything, uh, to be honest. But while he's our ca- uh, captain, named captain, we, we want to see him out there, but for me, this top five, this top five, and I'm talking here, Young, Latham, Conway, Nichols at four, Mitchell at five. Really, really important, this. It's important, and I've got to say, Smithy, the five names that you mentioned, they, they don't, as a combination, they don't fill you with confidence. Individually, those are all very, very good, very comp- competent players. But when you take Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor... Out of out of any top five, that it's going to be weaker. No, no question about it. And I'm going into this test. I, I I don't feel I can't feel confident simply because three of our pillars of this of this World Test Championship winning side are not there. And I and I think if you if you took the three best players out of any champion team, let, let's okay, let's as an example, let's talk about the 2015 All Blacks, all conquering. What a team that was. But 
if we went into, let's say, a World Cup final without Richie McCord, Dan Carter, and I'm going to say Aaron Smith, would, would they have won? I'm not sure. Because as, as good as that team was, when you take three key players, and, and they are key players, let's, let's face it, um, they're going to be weaker, without question. And I'm concerned heading into this match about the pressure that's on Tom Latham. I think um, uh, Nichols has been scratching around for runs. Conway, as good as he is, is, is now assuming Kane Williamson's position in the team for this match. That comes with pressure as well. And then you're looking for, for Young or Mitchell, really, to be to be providing some runs as well, ideally both of them. But, but there's an awful lot of individual pressure on, on those players going into this match. And, and I'm sorry, but any time you don't take Frank Holt into a test match, you, you're losing something. As good as um, I'm sure it'll probably be Matt Henry who, who comes in there, um, it'll still be a, 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 a very solid uh, Black Cats bowling unit. But, yeah, I, I can't feel confident going into this. I feel like we're underdogs for the first time in a long time going into a test series on home soil. I hope they prove me wrong. Yep, Sylvie, can I, I just jump do. in? And, uh, and, and, yeah, yes. And this is absolutely no crack at you, but there have been people who have brought up what you just brought up around Kane Williamson and the IPL. Uh, I think any 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 um, any comments along the lines of "Oh, watch for Kane Williamson to be playing the IPL, even though he's injured for these Test series." I think any comment about that about him is an utter insult to one of to our greatest probably ever cricketer. Uh, that guy. It's everything on the line for New Zealand. He always performs. He always turns up. Uh, and for and as I say, this is not a slight at you, but there have been a lot of people suggesting that he won't play this Test series, but watch, he will play the IPL. If Kane's fit, he'll play the IPL. Good on him. Power to him. If he's not fit, he won't play. Uh, and he's the type of guy who, you know, he's not going to just around and wait for the money to roll around and I, I think it's just a complete and utter insult to him uh, and to what he's done for New Zealand cricket for people to suggest that. I think it's also well, a lack of on. understanding of the injury. I think it's also a lack yeah. of understanding of the injury. He's, he's got a tendon yeah. issue in his, in his elbow so that's, that's going to be a loading issue so asking Kane Williamson to go out and bat for however many overs he might bat in a, in a test match yeah. Uh, first and second innings is completely different. The sort of loading he's going to have playing T20 cricket. It's yeah, that, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. Anyone who's presenting that sort of argument um, is, is one disrespectful for Kane Williamson, but two is not understanding the injury at all. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much for that. Uh, I've taken that on one of my many chins. Uh, you'll be happy to know, guys. So uh, <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, it's not on you. <laughs> happy, happy to take it, um, and um, this is just a jealous me. Guy Havel, Andrew Gordy have been on the panel this morning, been fantastic too, guys. I love, I love your thoughts. I always do every time that you're on. Uh, 